0: So what are some of the things that monogamous people ask you all the time about this whole ethical non-monogamy thing?
1: The one I'm realizing I get the most from people who are maybe the least filtered or the least concerned with having a polite response is, aren't you just cheating? <laughs> and I, I realized like, that was a particularly common one because I recently wrote an article about non-monogamy. And the first round of editorial feedback I got was, we're going to need a whole paragraph in here about how this essay isn't just about how you're a cheater. And I was like,
2: oh. All right. It sounds like we need to unpack what cheating and infidelity actually means to people. So let's do that on today's episode. Sounds good.
1: Welcome to Mistakes Were Made, a new podcast about non-monogamy for messy people like us. I'm Sarah, a queer therapist, writer, and
2: journalist. And I'm her husband, Alex, a communications professional and educator. And we started the show because when we opened our marriage after almost 15 years, we were hungry for content that reflected how hard it was sometimes.
1: So this show is part advice, part humor, part confession, part relentless critique of late-stage capitalism. But it's always about... Us learning from our mistakes and striving to be safer, freer, and more connected. At first glance, for a lot of people, cheating is defined by having sex with or romantic relationships with someone other than mm-hmm. your partner.
2: Regardless of what kind of arrangements you have or what kind of agreements you have. Right. Uh, it's sex with other people and or emotional entanglements with other people maybe are just like equate to infidelity. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Um, so I think that's a good reason to to, to just dig into a little bit like what what does what are some of the things cause cheating can actually mean or infidelity can actually mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Yeah. And I definitely feel like I have accessible to me like a lot of stories of uh, ruptures in relationships um where, you know, there was some kind of infidelity or some kind of cheating. But what actually happened is often very different, right?
1: Yeah. I so I've been thinking about this too, because this kind of threw me into the space of like, well, what is and isn't cheating? Mm-hmm. And in a world of conscripted monogamy, what are some of the things that we hear that are considered cheating? Yeah. So, obviously... Uh,
2: with Let's start with hardcore yeah. penetrative sex and work backwards from there.
1: Well, yeah. And I, what I was going to say is, like, <laughs> I don't know if it has to be hardcore and penetrative. Um, maybe That's where I be, want
0: to start, okay? <laughs> that's
1: <where> I, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely... Sex with uh, yeah. people other than one partner, right? Like that's the most I think commonly agreed upon definition mm-hmm. of cheating. And
2: <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm laughing, but I think there was some truth to what I said, even though it seemed maybe uh, explicit, explicit, or um,
1: we got get heteronormative that e, or whatever. E on but our like podcasts. I do
2: feel like there's even like a thing that like a man having intercourse with another man or with a woman. you know, like, even would be, like, more, like, you could, I could see a relationship where it's, like, and there are some, some even non-monogamous relationships, where Mm. it's, like, two men being involved in any way, like, that's where the line crosses, but, like, a woman uh, having uh, sex with another woman would be, like, well, that doesn't really count as much.
1: Right. So, I think we're getting into this territory of understanding that it's a moving target. Right. before we decide that that's the case, let's talk about, like, ways that people consider behavior cheating that aren't sex with other people, Mm -hmm. right? So, we understand, like, sex with other people other than your partner is Mm -hmm. the most broadly understood, like, definition of cheating, right? But I definitely have examples from my own life, from my friends' lives, and from my practice of someone looking at porn being considered cheating, Mm -hmm. of someone engaging with a sex worker that can be, like... Physically having sex with a sex worker, mm-hmm. but it also could be like having a relationship with a sex worker of any kind online. I know right. of people who like following sex workers on Instagram has been considered cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, flirting that's considered cheating. Mm-hmm. Talking um, to
2: your exes definitely is one that comes up a lot as tension for people. Mm-hmm. Like, even if mm-hmm. you, you know, there's no emotional content there um, or you claim that there isn't.
1: Close friendships with people of the, like, gender you're attracted to, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I think we also get into really interesting stuff around, like, admitting any kind of attraction to someone other than your partner at all, whether that's to yourself, to your partner, or to the person you're attracted to, uh-huh. right? Like, that can be considered cheating. Um, I have, like, an example also from, like, a sexual like behavior study that I read once that was really fascinating that we can get into, but I want to hear like other definitions.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, think. it seems like it could be anything, you know, different people will define it as anything from, you know, uh, actual intercourse to thoughts, right. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a desire, even if it's not acted on the admission of that desire, mm-hmm. um, seems like maybe where the, the, the balance tips, because I would assume that like almost anybody is having desires or, uh, attractions that are outside of their, um, you know, their their main relationship or their monogamous relationship, right? But like, as soon as that is out in the open or as soon as that is acted on in any way or becomes mm-hmm. clear in any way, then we move into the yeah. category, could move into the category of of things that are considered cheating or infidelity.
1: And I do want to just like put a little asterisk around our definition of sex here, because I think this is interesting and an example of how monogamous, like conscripted monogamy as a culture is really like, heteronormative and like Uh sort of straight assuming and all of this stuff, because this idea of penetrative sex or specific kind of sex or like penis and vagina sex as like the height of what is unacceptable, which then like invisibilizes all these other kinds of sex, which depending on the people involved in the infidelity can be seen as less threatening. Uh Right? sometimes more threatening so again we're kind of in moving target territory
2: and it also could be used as by people as excuses for like how they're what they're doing isn't cheating like right i can think of an example of that for sure um okay so yeah cheating infidelity nobody knows what it means (laughs) we're going to talk about it today on mistakes were made
1: and do you want me to talk about this like psych study? Oh yeah, because it's right, an example yeah. of how cheating can actually exist in non-monogamy too.
2: Yeah, and that article that you mentioned, the or like the you know in the in that as you were telling that story of like our relationship opening, um, the sort of like origin that you pointed to was a conversation where you yeah. were in when you were in grad school you were reading a psych study. Yeah, tell us about that.
1: So this was back when I was in graduate school. I was uh, in a human sexual behavior class. I was. This was actually I had certainly been culturally and socially. Exposed to non-monogamy before, but it was kind of the first time that I was reading something that was like a deep dive on polyamory and non-monogamy, and it was about how to be a good relationship counselor to folks who were non-monogamous. And the case study I was reading was a couple who had always been non-monogamous. From They were married. Mm-hmm. They had always been non- non-monogamous. They were before they met each other. They got into the marriage both as non-monogamous. They had other partners. They continue to have other partners. So we're already in a really like non-traditional setting, for like sexual behavior and monogamy, like traditional monogamy. Um, But this couple came to the counselor because one member of the couple had had unprotected sex with a partner, which was something that they, it wasn't off the table for them to do, but it was something that they had to like talk about first before they did it. And this was a huge rupture in the relationship that, if I remember the study correctly, the couple worked with the counselor for, like, over a year Mm -hmm. trying to get over this betrayal. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, their relationship ended. And, of course, there are many, many reasons for that. But I think the thing that really stuck out to me here was I was – and at this time, I was not non-monogamous. At the time, you were
2: probably like, that's weird.
1: I was like, (laughs) that's fucking nuts. I was like, you're already sleeping with tons of – I'm all imagining it's tons, right? Uh-huh. You're already sleeping. <laughs> you're
2: already going tons. to sex parties?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the sex party assumption. Yes. Um, you're already sleeping with other people, and you're presumably okay with that. And there was like this transgression around protected sex, and that is the thing that ended the two of you. I was really like uh, super compelled by this, mm-hmm. uh, and it made a really big impression on me. Mm-hmm. So an example of cheating, again, that can happen inside non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're back to this idea of like real moving target. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we thought this would be a good episode for us to dive into one of our experiences with infidelity as well. Uh, to just kind of further uh Discuss and find out what it means and what happens to people in uh, situations where there's infidelity. See if we can zero in on that moving target. Yeah, we got a story of infidelity in our own lives. You want to tell it?
2: Yes, I can. Yeah. Um... So uh, this is kind of like a big one for us um, in some, you know, we, we have a couple of different sort of like origin narratives around how we came to non-monogamy, but definitely a big part of it was uh, this story, this mis- mistake that um, goes back to uh, a time a few years ago in our relationships. We were, we were in something of a transition. We had been working together for like most of our careers. And then we'd recently stopped working together and um, had just had young you know, just had kids and in our lives had really transitioned. Um, and during that time, uh, I developed a lot of emotional reliance and feelings for another woman who I saw, um, you know, pretty, uh, you know, I was around a lot, somebody who was around a lot. It was not like a relationship, but it was like a, you know, a work relationship. Um, and I really uh, didn't know what to do with those feelings or how to feel Okay, about them. I felt like they were they were wrong, so I kept them hidden um, from definitely from you and from the other person, and for myself to some extent. Um, and in retrospect, I definitely like had there there were a lot of opportunities that I could have taken to share that with you, and I kind of like know now that there were a lot of ways that I could have, but um, I passed on <laughs> on those and didn't take them and and kept it hidden. Um, and then when the situation where I was going to be, you know, in relationship with that person around them a lot, uh, changed, um, and I wasn't going to be seeing them, you know, it just got like very hard for me. And I kind of like realized even more how, um, how important the relationship was to me and how attached and connected I was to that person. Um, and so that sort of came to a head around like a flurry of communication about, um, what the, the sort of meaning of our relationship was, what it meant, whether, you know, what the feelings actually were and whether they were reciprocated, which I would not say that I handled in the smoothest way possible. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, that was, it was just like an extremely hard time for, for me kind of personally around all of that. And then, um, I, again, didn't like go to you with any of that, but I think it was probably like clear that something was going on for me. Um, And so at some point uh, you asked me about it and I sort of told you, sort of copped to, you know, what was happening um, or like the reasons for me being really like down and um, depressed and sort of like in, I mean, I would say I was in crisis. Um, And then that led to more crisis um, between us, because I think that landed really, and I'll give you a chance to, to talk about how it all felt for you in a minute, but clearly that landed really hard for you and it was like a big, maybe even bigger than I expected, like kind of disruption in our relationship because I was still, you know, I wasn't telling you the whole story, but I was like kind of admitting, yeah, something is wrong with me and, and this, is, this is what it is. Um, and then you did some investigating uh, on your own and, um, looked at my phone and found you know messages that that reinforced more of that uh the emotional content of the relationship that you were aware of but didn't know what the what was there um and it was like a big a big rupture, probably the biggest rupture in our relationship um and you know put us into a, a shared crisis um, and maybe I'll stop there and let you talk a little bit about how that was for you um for me, uh, I think it was, you know, in addition to all of the, the, the ways that it mapped to our relationship and, and dis- disrupted it, it was also, like, a, p- a point where I kind of realized how much I had just been, like hiding all of the emotional things that were happening for me and just like not, was not really in touch with my feelings or okay with having feelings and I would just like keep them to myself and that was basically like my, my pattern for all of life and for this, specifically.
1: Mm. <laughs> so.
2: <laughs> yeah. How, how was that for you?
1: <laughs> well, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna first say like, thank you for telling that story. Um, I think one of the things we'll probably talk about today in our episode is how much we we tend to, like, demonize people who cheat, right? Mm-hmm. Or people who are seen as, like, the instigators of infidelity. Um, and so it's, like, pretty vulnerable to tell a story like that um, and to tell it publicly. And I really appreciate that.
2: Mm, um, thank you. Yeah, it's hard to, like, n- kind of know how to tell things. And I am, like, leaving out some specific details uh, for for reasons of not wanting to like implicate other people and and stuff like that. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, And it is also interesting hearing you tell it back like that. And this is years ago now. So there's like a lot of processing and like um, therapy and Mm -hmm. conversations that have gotten us to a point where I can sort of like hear that narrative and be like, oh, huh. You know, there's a whole part of me that's like, Yeah, he was going through a difficult time. He felt a really strong connection to someone in his life that was offering like some kind of support or maybe escape from that hard time. Uh, It became more serious than he realized and he didn't know how to tell me about it, right? And it's like hearing that arc, you're like, oh, well, that that seems like pretty relatable Mm. and understandable and it is. And also I experienced it as super devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's like, what's interesting about when we start talking about what we mean by infidelity.
2: Um, yeah. And you experienced it as a, a breach of of mm-hmm. trust and a breaking of the, um, the expectations that you had about what our relationship was and you know, what it meant to both of us and the limits on other relationships.
1: Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like, like, shut the fuck I'm up. Like, don't me don't tell me what I experienced. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: sorry.
1: <laughs> so, right. i <laughs> just trying to say
2: why it was big in counter to, you know. Uh,
1: yeah. So back to what it was like for me. Um, it was really scary. I also was going through a big transition professionally and personally. I just had a baby. I was, I had lost my job. Um, And the combination of, like, losing an identity that was really important to me and then gaining an identity that I wasn't so sure of yet really had me feeling super, like, vulnerable and out of sorts. Um, And I think I've also shared this on – well, I've certainly shared this publicly. I'm not sure if I've shared this on this podcast, but I've also experienced, like – perinatal mental health stuff. So for me, an experience of having kids has been postpartum depression. um, And I was getting treatment for it, but it was still like something I was struggling with. So I say all of that to say I was in a pretty like tumultuous place too. And I think like kind of just barely hanging on in some ways Um, and scared. I was already scared Mm -hmm. um, about what my future looked like, what our relationship looked like in this new world. Um, And so I think this was extra hard because of that. And like, mm, it's scary. It was really scary to imagine that there was something happening in your life that was causing like such big emotions um, that was like distressing you so much that I didn't know about. Um, And it was scary to ask you about it and not get full answers it was really easy for me to just imagine the absolute worst. And of course the absolute worst to me was that you were going to leave me. Um, And that like the old version of our relationship where we worked together and we didn't have kids and I wasn't a hot mess (laughs) emotionally, um, that that was gone. And you maybe didn't like this new version of me. And maybe that's me also saying I wasn't sure I liked it myself. Mm. Uh, And so, you want it out. And that's, of course, what I what I immediately went to, in part, because that was my biggest fear, was that that was
2: the case. Yeah. And I think there's a lesson there, that if you don't communicate about what's going on with you, then the people that you're in a relationship will fill in the gaps with the things that are most terrifying for them. Right. Right. Um, yeah.
1: And it was, like, to your point, there was just, like, all of this trust that kind of fractured and um, I don't know listening to you tell it again it's like the initial intensity of the relationship I wonder if at any point it wouldn't have been a breach of trust you know what I mean like yeah yeah sort of like you telling me that you had a crush on somebody right Yeah, probably would have at the time been hard for me I do think that was then compounded by the fact that it like turned into something more serious for you and then that was compounded again by me asking you about it and like you struggling to tell me what was going on, you know? Yeah. So it was like, there was kind of a cascade of I stuff mean,
2: that happened. I made a choice to indulge those feelings first of all, and to keep them as something that was kind of like for me and not between us. And I think that, you know, with the experience of two years of non-monogamy, I think that's a thing that I can see a lot more clearly um, that I, you know, those were all, those weren't like accidents. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, like, a th- a thing that I, I let happen, at least, if not actively kind of did, so.
1: Yeah, and in retrospect, of course, like, you know, I'm, I'm now I'm a therapist, I'm a relationship counselor, I'm non-monogamous myself, and all of that is so relatable, and I have, like, so much understanding for it. Like, oh, yeah, you want to keep some things to yourself, or you want there to be places where you can escape the ways that your life feels hard, or you don't want to feel like you... um are in violation of one relationship because another one is important. Mm-hmm. And then also at the time, man, it felt like shit.
2: Yeah. And that's all well and good to, to have that yeah. intellectual analysis when you're yeah. talking about other people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Talking yeah, totally. about yourself,
2: yeah. Uh, It's in your own marriage. It, yeah. And so I do think that it's, um, I mean, a lot of prior to that experience, and through it a lot of what we were relying on were you know the these sort of assumptions around um that we're never really interrogated we never really interrogated together around what being married in a monogamous marriage and being in love meant um and so i think we're gonna spend some time talking about that today because you know as we were saying up top like infidelity can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, in this case, it didn't mean, um, it wasn't a physical relationship, but that doesn't mean that it didn't matter. And wasn't like, you know, an infidelity and it wasn't hurtful, um, you know, there was, there was, a, I obscured things about it from you for, for a long time, um, didn't share like the emotional truths around it and like that is in some ways, could be a lot worse than um, sleeping with another person one time.
1: Hmm. It's interesting that you say that. It's reminding me that one of the things that was super hard about it at the time was when I would tell people, I would often get one of two responses, and I'm not even sure like, how this might show up in the theme of today's podcast, but one would be, well, is that even cheating? Right. So one really common response I got was mm-hmm. actually, like, why is this a big deal to you? Yeah, um, I got that too. This is just seems like totally normal stuff.
2: Yeah, people told me like, oh, well, you didn't actually do it, so...
1: Right, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but then the other response I got was <laughs> that what happened was actually so much worse than cheating, mm-hmm. right? Because it wasn't just about sex, right? Mm-hmm. It was about potentially love, right? So that I remember being like a really kind of like tumultuous experience for me too, is that people either like made it feel really catastrophic or made it feel like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a hard time sometimes locating what it actually felt like to me as a result.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of like hard agree. There's a lot of like judgments, um, ex- sort of external judgments that you then like kind of internalize and it's, yeah, it is really easy with stuff like this to lose touch with your, um, you know, your own experience of something. And like, yeah, for me, I'd a lot of time being like, you know, have I, am I a cheater or have I cheated? Is right. that, you know, thinking like, that's a thing that you can be. Mm-hmm. And now that's I like am, an identity. That's that. a noun. Or maybe right. I'm not that. Or I'm, and like, I did a lot of like exploration around like trying to figure that out and trying to figure out like what are, um, how to like kind of like relegitimize our relationship afterwards. And I remember like listening to a lot of podcasts <laughs> about like, you know, pro monogamy podcasts that were, I might've said this on a past episode, but when you look for those, they're usually just like (laughs) religious, they're secretly religious podcasts that are like endorsing, trying to endorse Mm -hmm. monogamy in the face of whatever else. I mean, like probably, I mean, that's, that's another thing that's interesting here that I always have to be reminded of is that like, uh, this is a very common, what we're describing. Some version of what we're describing Mm -hmm. is super common. And I tend to always be like, Oh, I, you know, should be better than that. And I feel a lot of shame around it. And it's, I mean, our couples therapist was literally just reminding me of this, this morning, that this kind of thing just shows up over and over again in almost every relationship. And it just really depends on how, how much it's talked about and how it's talked about. And, um, and that's why we're talking about it, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, What maybe we're getting at, and we might want to like talk about a little bit more after a break, because I have to take my half hour in I drank four cups of coffee pee break now. Obligatory bathroom (laughs) break. (laughs) Um, But this idea of not ever really talking directly about what the agreements are in monogamous relationships where there's just like assumed or conscripted monogamy, about what people expect from each other what would make them safe like what make them feel safe what would make them feel scared like what their definitions of cheating would be um and why i never asked myself those questions i just thought that cheating was a sort of threatening nebulous thing Mm -hmm. the specter of which haunted everything
2: dun! dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) okay we'll be right back all right During the break, we were talking about another form of uh, uh, another thing that like maybe it's cheating or maybe not that the celebrity hall pass idea, which if I'm understanding this correctly, Jessica, is like the idea that it, it, you're in a monogamous couple but, and you're not supposed to sleep with other people. But if you happen to have the opportunity to sleep with any celebrity or certain specific celebrities, then you you're allowed to.
0: That Yeah, that's the idea is that you can have like, you know, a list of, you know, your your celebrity hall passes and Uh. like, if you have the opportunity to sleep with Nico case, you're allowed to, but no one else.
2: Has that ever happened to anybody like that? They actually got to (laughs) you. Like, you know, they're actually in a situation where they did get to sleep with a the person who was we'd there. all like to
0: think it has yeah. did they create that situation
2: uh,
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, they're like it's been five years of if your I life
2: just so happened to fly to las vegas uh, when i know that shakira is playing and then have sex with shakira well
0: shakira <laughs> <laughs>
2: sorry hey you know what it's a great answer for those bro- celebrity bro- i events. think maybe i might have happened to see that she just broke up with her
1: Oh, you just saw that, did you?
2: <laughs> I might have caused that to happen.
1: Yeah, I might Very, have uh, news alert for Shakira <laughs> sent to my inbox yeah. daily. No, it's,
2: this is funny because that's just a random person.
1: <laughs> Y'all, it's not a random person. She comes up yeah, a you lot. Sh-
0: you should see this face right now. Don't no. buy it. Um, well, but I think it's interesting, that idea of the celebrity hall pass, right? Because it's like a way that we're allowed, we being people in a monogamous relationship, right? It's a way yeah. that you're allowed to talk about someone that you find yeah. attractive, but there's like no way yeah. that you would ever actually be able to act on those. Yeah. So
1: it's less threatening as a result. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who would, your, who sorry. would yours be, Sarah? I'm sorry. The cat is stuck oh. in a closet.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, while we're waiting, who would you, who's yours? Have you had this discussion with Curtis and who is yours?
0: Um, Great question. I don't know. See, you don't yeah, want to say either.
2: No. Uh huh. It's easy for me to think of men.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I've, I have, rem- I have talked about this with our good friends who are now divorced, but they would talk about this a lot. And they, bu- Nico Case was both of theirs.
2: Oh, how convenient. A three way with Nico Case. Yeah. It being the same one is, I mean, that's probably kind of the thing with men, like the normal people guy, you know.
1: Oh, that Irish guy? Yeah, I would... Oh, for sure. Mm. Yeah. You
2: know, if that guy tries to fuck me, I'm sorry, yeah.
1: uh, I'm. If he tries to fuck you, I'm going to try and get in on it. Uh, also, Idris Elba. Yeah. Because you asked me. Sure. And so I was like, the first... That's first who, yeah, so that's my... Yeah. My, yeah, yeah. You know,
2: <laughs> it's, it's cheating.
1: It's cheating. <laughs> it's a, cheating at the game. It's a cheating at the <laughs> game of talking about cheating. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So speaking of celebrities, we have a clip, and uh, I... Maybe I should just play this clip and see if, like, everybody knows who it is. Or oh, yeah. It. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I bet everybody's
3: going to know who it is.
4: From there, you know, you and I were going through a very difficult time. Yeah. That particular point in time, it was indefinite.
3: Yeah. I really felt like we could be over. You yeah.
4: Know? No, we were... we were
3: over. And then what did you do, Jada? Well,
4: you know, I think from there... You know, as time went on, I got into a different kind of entanglement. I
3: think um, you need to say clearly what happened.
4: And I got into an entanglement with August. That's what I said. Hey, that's what
3: I said. An entanglement?
4: Yes. (laughs) Yes.
3: A relationship.
4: Yes, it was a relationship. Absolutely.
3: We decided that we were going to separate for a period of time, and you go figure out how to make yourself happy.
4: I was in a lot of pain and i was very broken now in the process of that relationship i definitely realized that you can't find happiness outside of yourself Mm -hmm. and luckily enough you and i were also going through a process of healing in a much different manner Mm -hmm. i would
3: during that time launched into an interaction Mm -hmm. with august what do you feel like um you were looking for.
4: I just wanted to feel good. Mm -hmm. It had been so long Mm -hmm. since I felt good. Mm
3: -hmm. Husband, now I got to be with you at the press conference (laughs) while you tell the world uh, about your transgressions. Like I love I love my baby. I'ma stand by my baby no matter what. You no, know,
4: I definitely <laughs> I definitely understand mm-hmm. um why it would look that way or feel that way, but I actually don't look at it as a transgression at all. Through that particular journey, I learned so much mm-hmm. about myself mm-hmm. and was able to really confront a lot of emotional immaturity, mm-hmm. emotional insecurity, mm-hmm. and I was really able to do some really deep healing. Mm-hmm was really a joy to just help heal somebody
3: yeah because I wasn't sure I was ever going to speak to you again I know I know yeah like the fact that I'm speaking to you again is a, <laughs> is a miracle uh, I don't want to go through this no more
4: yeah no I don't yeah. either
3: yeah I'm gonna get you back first and then
4: you're gonna get me back I think you've got me back <laughs> I think you've <laughs> I think we're good on that, okay? <laughs> okay. I wish, you know, I wish that wasn't the case. <laughs> I do. Absolutely I wish yes, that sir. wasn't the case. Hey, I
3: sure wish it could be all magic and miracles. Yeah. Okay, that might. That's probably true. That's you
4: probably know, true. but, um, and I don't think it's about getting anybody back.
3: No, for me it is.
4: Okay. Um, I'll give you that petty <laughs> if that's what you want. <laughs> Uh, um, but, you know, I will definitely say <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just part of it. Yeah. You know, if you expect to be with somebody for a lifetime.
3: 25 years and counting. Mm.
4: We ride together.
3: We, we die, die together. together.
4: Bad, Bad marriage for, marriage. for
3: life. <laughs> <laughs> That
0: was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I love
2: it so much. <laughs> okay, so obviously that was Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. And I think it's taken from, they have a show, she has a Facebook show called The Red Red, Red Table, Table Talk. Talk. Yeah. It's uh, but it's only on Facebook, and it's I think they pulled that episode down or something like that. Um, it's from like a year ago or something like that. So this is a YouTube like mashup where somebody has <laughs> edited it together to make it the most cringy parts, I think. Um, but yeah, there's a lot there. That's like one of the more accessible kind of like open pop culture, people talk about infidelity, um, things. And I guess the flip, the scripts are flipped a little bit because it's like the, the woman cheating and that is maybe less, uh, less, um, cliched. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, just responding to that. First of all, I'm so, um, I really admire how vulnerably they're talking about it Mm -hmm. and like with a lot of humor and vulnerability and like, it's clear that, they don't have a super neat narrative all worked out. Yeah. They and seem like
2: pissed at each other still. I
1: think there's definitely still hurt there yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but there's like a willingness to engage with it yeah. that I think is like pretty amazing. Uh, uh-huh. And yeah. I was like, wow, that's, I love that. Um,
2: Yeah. Uh huh. That's interesting. Yeah. It, there, it's definitely there. You can definitely hear. And I think part of this is like the way that it's edited um, is, you know, um, she's like, doesn't want to say the thing. She's like avoiding taking responsibility, which is something that's totally relatable to me. To like just not be like, I had, you know, a relationship. I an you affair. Know, an affair. Yeah, yeah. She that's kept, the word nobody wants to say. She, yeah, or yeah, I, cheated. I cheated. Yeah, and yeah. mm-hmm. she just wants to say an entanglement. Right. A situation. A, a transgression. A trans yeah. transgression.
1: Yeah. And and what do you make of that? Um, why do you think that people? that why why avoid that specific those specific words
2: uh I mean because there's so much like um you know there's so much just like shame around it and like uh you know you're like the villain if you're the person who who cheated regardless of like what the circumstances are or like what drove you to that or you know anything else it's like you know she's the one like the title of that clip is literally like Jada Pinkett Smith breaks Will Smith's heart for for four minutes straight. Um, You know, it's definitely like uh, once you admit that you did something, it's hard for people to admit that they did something wrong in those really clear terms and And accept responsibility for it.
1: Yeah, I think there's like a couple of things I'm noticing there, and it definitely shows up in my practice as well. Uh, I think like working with couples. um, One is... That fear of being villainized, of being like mm-hmm. the bad person, the hurter, if you will, mm-hmm. like the person who hurt or yeah. caused pain. Um, and so wanting to argue against the pain. Yeah, You know, like, here are the reasons why it wasn't so bad. I'm not necessarily saying that Jada Pinkett Smith is doing that in this quote, but it's something that I will like, yeah. see a lot. Um, or why you shouldn't feel that way, or why it wasn't totally an affair, or why it wasn't totally cheating, or like these like uh-huh. technicalities that are kind of supposed to serve the purpose of talking the right. person out of their hurt,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. And in that case, I, I should have researched the details more because it's probably common knowledge to almost everybody. But I think that they were sort of broken up at the time, and that yeah. they sort of have an open relationship. And I don't really know what's going on with all mm-hmm. of that, but like clearly, regardless, he's he's like very hurt by it or was at the time, and is, like, very, like, still hurt and and resentful, and there was some at kind of, like, clip. revenge cheating and, yeah. Um, that idea all sorts of getting of, even. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we all know that, you know, it all ended up with it getting taken out on Chris Rock, I guess. Um. Right.
1: <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Uh But, I mean, there is a way, I just, as a, as an aside, I want to say – what I found most moving is they were like, look, if you plan to be with someone for a lifetime, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. this is part of it. This stuff is going to show yeah. up. And I feel like that is so powerful. And their courage in saying yes. and admitting that speaks to these absurd narratives that we have about what monogamous lifelong relationships are yeah.
2: supposed to be like to be successful. I love that they said that too. Yeah. yeah. And it was kind of like heartwarming in the end. It made me a little sad that they're saying bad marriage. I mean, I know they're saying it in kind of a tongue in cheek way, but like, it's just a marriage. It's like, you know, theirs isn't worse than anybody else's. They're just the only people who are like admitting it and like willing doing to talk a, about well, it Talking about it publicly and openly and who have that, you know, notoriety that people are actually going to listen.
1: Yeah. And so I think this gets into all of the things we don't talk about, all of the things the conversations we don't have until we're absolutely forced to, until the ruptures are really big and yeah. the trust feels really broken um, and and so I, I like I find that fascinating. The other piece I didn't quite get to earlier that I thought was showing up in that clip I could really relate to I hear a lot in my um, in my practice is just like how hard it is for one person to be afraid to like become the villain in the relationship. I don't agree with that narrative. And mm-hmm. I think that we're going to talk about that in a moment. And also how hard it is to just like sit with the pain.
2: Mm-hmm. Or the pain the of the pain. other person. Yeah. yeah.
1: And like, is there some way, and I feel like Jada and Will are trying to do this. I feel like this is kind of what you're circ- you and I are circling in on. Can you hold both things that people who, cheat in some way, or when there's an infidelity, like, the person who was, like, at the center, the catalyst of that, um, for them not to be demonized, and for Mm -hmm. that behavior not to be pathologized and just seen as, like, a betrayal that, that, like, you can't come back from, while also acknowledging, like, some of the hurt and pain. So, I think, like, that's, there's something there that also speaks to non-monogamy and, like, what we do and don't talk about.
0: Yeah,
2: and just to kind of tie that up before we move on to, like, other narratives, it is... It's, it's like so accessible in, in culture. Like there's just like so much storytelling where infidelity is the like key source of conflict. And, you know, it's... Uh-huh often it is in people's actual lives in the real world, but also it's like a really easy, accessible like source of conflict. And you can, you can spin great stories based on people, you know, deceiving their partners and then trying to cover that up. And like, how many movies are there where like somebody ends up dead because one person
0: (laughs) cheated and then like they tried to
2: cover it up and then one thing led to another and they've murdered people. (laughs) And it's like, uh, those are great, great stories, but it also like kind of reinforces this idea of it as the ultimate sin. Um, which
1: and is, the, which again, is a tough thing to carry. This idea that like love, monogamy, these things have to be perfect mm-hmm. to be good and true and real. And anything that challenges that, then like the whole thing unravels on you. Right. Um, and I, and I, yeah, I have more to say about that. I think before we get into that, though.
2: Yeah. You have a a quote or a clip that kind of takes another perspective on on, uh, talking about how cheating is a little more complicated than those regular narratives. You want to share that?
1: Yeah. So this is from Sam Cat, who runs uh, Shrimp Teeth, which is an organization. It's an Instagram account and an organization that's really uh, offers like coaching and support for folks who are non-monogamous. And they said this in a recent Instagram post and it really stuck out to me. Cheating is more complicated than most people are willing to accept. Culturally, we remove the nuances of infidelity by insisting on a good, bad narrative, rather than trying to understand the conditions that led to cheating. Vilifying cheating doesn't create honest conditions. Um, And they go on to say, there are a buttload of reasons to cheat, dissatisfaction with specific conditions in the existing relationship, boredom, poor communication, lack of cohesion, different sexual attractions, impulsivity, fear of breaking up, but wanting to leave, fear of breaking up, but wanting to leave, doubt, lust, often, it's a mix. Uh, and I'm going to just scoot past a part of this to the end that kind of speaks to one of the themes today. When we're told monogamy is the only option, we remove our ability to address the parts of our relationships that aren't working. We're forced into the belief system that a mono-partner should and can meet all of our needs. When they ev- inevitably don't, the only option is secrecy. Mm-hmm. So what do you make of that quote?
2: Yeah, I wanna come back to like that list of things um, that are the potential drivers. Um, I mean, I definitely, it resonates for me. Um, uh, it, it speaks to, you know, just like the, the sort of constraints around like openness uh, uh, around what your needs actually are. It reminds me of something that you said the other day, and it was like so resonant for me that I, I wrote it down. You said and this was just in a conversation, but this is the fucking person that I'm married to. She just says shit like this in <laughs> regular ass conversations in our shitty van. Uh, the violence of compulsory monogamy is that is the idea that you could find everything you need in some perfect other. And that perfect other is always just beyond reach meaning like not the person that you're with. Um, what, yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me more about what you meant when you said that I can't remember the context, but
1: yeah, I was talking about this idea. Oof. I mean, I think it's like a pretty therapeutic idea that we often imagine that to feel whole, to feel safe, to feel authentic, we're trying to find a perfect person or a perfect relationship that will do that for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I sometimes wonder as someone who's like interested in attachment and trauma, whether or not that idea isn't often like baked into our experiences as children and in this culture, that like we somehow have like failed to feel safe and attached in the ways that we kind of need as human beings. And so we're always on a quest to find that. Um, And the system that we're handed is compulsory monogamy find it here. Mm -hmm. Right. And then of course we don't, we can't. And I say this and I want to say this like super carefully because I know that there are plenty of people out there who are monogamous and really happy and really do feel like they've found the right system and the right partner for them. And that is not something that I am questioning here. I think what I'm saying more is likely those relationships feel that way and feel authentically that way, and not like they're being forced to try and convince themselves that that's true, because those folks have done a lot of exploration of having their needs met themselves, by themselves, Uh uh right? In other relationships that may, you know, are likely, if they're monogamous, not sexual or romantic, in other endeavors, in other ways of expressing themselves, in other ways of finding out and exploring who they are, right? So I think that's what I was talking about is mm-hmm. just like, we can get stuck in this cycle of being like, okay, I, I'm in this relationship. It's great. There's wonderful things about this person. It's super fulfilling and I love it. Uh-oh, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. happy and something right. isn't being yeah. met. That means based on my understanding of conscripted monogamy that there is something wrong with this relationship right. and I need to go out and find a relationship where this won't happen. hmm But of course what I often find is that people repeat some version of that relationship over and over and over again to the same point of discovery that they're not happy. Yeah. Right. Or that there's something not being met or something not being expressed. And then they start all over again with someone else.
2: Yeah. And like, uh, not to (laughs) go on too much of a tangent, but I think as we all know, nobody is ever truly happy true lasting happiness is not attainable and it's certainly not attainable, you know, to be given to you by some other. Right. Right.
1: I always think of that like super corny, horrible quote from Jerry Maguire that you complete Uh. me. (laughs) I fucking hate that so much.
2: It's like the missing piece meets the big O.
1: Yeah. It's Uh. just this idea that like you are a little bit um, empty or like, broken or not yeah. finished until you find this perfect other. Huh. But like what happens when you find that perfect other and then I mean like Dan yeah. Will. They found their okay. perfect other okay. and then yeah. try to get the fan. That's right? funny.
2: Uh <laughs> because it's the completion part. Like you <laughs> there's no more poetic way to say the more accurate thing, but like, I mean I'd say between us, like you like make me better and like you like, you know, like the things that we do together, like it really is so much better than I would be alone, but that doesn't mean that I'm complete. That's right. That's where the issue is, is yeah. with the completion part.
1: That there's like some internal part of you that will be fixed, yeah. which I think then assumes right. also that some internal part of you is broken. Yeah. And then when the relationship doesn't, inevitably doesn't fix that, yeah. and you go searching for another one,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious if you could we talked a little bit about like some of the different reasons sort of drivers of infidelity or cheating um, that, you know, she was starting to list off some um, in that, in that post. But like what shows up for you with your, your clients, like in your practice, what are some of the things that, um, you know, when infidelity shows up either, you know, acted on or, you know, desire where, where where's it coming from?
1: I think they hit on a lot of them, Mm -hmm. right? There's like, M- mismatched like sex drives or sexual desire. I don't even want to say mismatched, just like different ones. Uh-huh. It's yeah, really pretty uh-huh. common. Um, I think uh, also sometimes there is something that like the relationship is really struggling with, but like people can't quite face it or fully communicate around it. And so there's just like, the, the relief of being an in intimate relationship with someone where those challenges aren't there. Yeah. Um, I think that comes up. Uh, I think some folks are really, I mean, really do identify as just like, I am a non-monogamous person. Mm-hmm. And so I am a person who like has a desire for lots of people or has love and attraction for lots of people. And this is just like the way I am in the world. Mm-hmm. And another partner may or may not feel that in quite the same way. Um, I think, though, there are sometimes more, like, kind of nuanced things that don't have as much to do with the relationship as, like, failing in some way or, like, not succeeding, I guess, um, that are about the person. It's like Jada said when she was like, I just wanted to feel good.
2: Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, Life yeah. was
1: really hard. Yeah. And I was really unhappy. And this felt good. Uh-huh. And it just felt good to pursue something that felt good, like... Yeah. That is so powerful. And
2: I heard in that, like, uh, you know, maybe it it was like something that he wasn't doing for her uh, or something that was hard between them. But it's like, yeah, it's totally valid to say, like, I didn't feel good and I wanted to do something that made me feel better. And that's not like his responsibility, right? Your partner, you're not the holder of your partner's happiness.
1: No, that's right. They're the holder of their own. Yeah. And like, you do create that together, but like, you don't fix it for each other. Yeah. Um, And so I think that's there. I also want to say that sometimes there will be yearnings or just like ways of wanting to be seen Mm -hmm. or of being able to express yourself that just aren't as accessible in the relationship that you're in Mm -hmm. um, and that that will show up sometimes too. And it can even be, it can be something as maybe dramatic as your sexual expression, but it can also be things like wanting to be an intimate partnership with people that you like make things with right? Yeah, or I, like make music with or be seen in those ways that like your partner's just like not that interested in or tapped into.
2: I think that's so interesting because the, the the like sort of sexual mismatch or incompatibility or like a kink that you can't pursue with your partner or something like that those are so much more to me like uh they're almost like they feel like easier answers not to say that they feel like that for for the people who are experiencing that but I'm like oh that totally makes sense and then the emotional things are much more Scary to me, right. um, or the situational things, because it feels like, oh, that's a thing I should be able to like right. fix. I, I think that that like, you know, really relates to the experience between us that we were like going through a very hard and, like I said, like trans- transformative time. Our relationship was like just like being sort of re reorganized. Our lives were changing, and you know, I was like seeking things that I wasn't getting. And, like, that, that even is hard to say, mm-hmm. um, but it's also okay and, and normal. True. And, and true.
1: normal. Yeah. And, like, of course, right? Yeah. Given everything that was happening in our lives at that time, you and I both weren't able to get from our intimate relationship everything that we needed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I feel like we're doing a good job of, like, the piece of the equation where we're, like, kind of pulling apart the demonization of the person who cheats, right? Yeah. But we have sort of left... Uh, this piece of like, well, what is cheating? Like, yeah. how do we define it? And I sort of want to come back to that. But where are you?
2: Well, where I am is just, I want to like g- address one elephant in the room that like for oh, me, yeah. uh, I don't know if you it's the same elephant that is sitting on your side of the room, but like for me, uh, my most accessible like like ideas around cheating, the drivers of it, you, you didn't list, which are like, mm. uh, I get this from like, I remember that movie American beauty that was like at the time hailed as in around like 2000, whatever, when it came out was like, this movie's so amazing. It's like telling everything like it is. And the couple in that garbage, Kevin, uh, not ironically, Kevin Spacey, uh, is the, the husband and the wife, whoever like there, she's cheating on him. And it's like totally driven by contempt and like, complete dissatisfaction and kind of like hatred of them like and they like,
1: want to hurt each other they want to hurt each that's other
2: right. and or they're and then like you know he does things to get revenge and I think those are the ones that like come up for me a lot and it sounds like it's not a that's not really the source of most infidelity or you know whatever certainly not of all infidelity but that's what it that's what it kind of like feel that's what comes to mind for me um is like oh this like must it must look to other people like you hate your partner.
1: Right. You right. Yeah. And I think that was something I was afraid of. Yeah. Uh, in the case of the infidelity that we experienced that, yeah. that it meant that not just, I think I mentioned earlier that you didn't want me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you wanted someone better or less difficult um, or someone with less kids, <laughs> um, which is a, a personal fear of mine. Uh, I can just mm-hmm. like totally hold over mm-hmm. here.
2: Those, they are my kids. I, I just know. want to point out for our I listeners know. in case there's any confusion. Yeah,
1: um, I know. Uh, but that fear that, that you like maybe hated me in some way or resented me in some way. And this was mm-hmm. an expression of that. I think it took me a long time to understand it differently. Yeah. Um, that it really wasn't. And I do it understand wasn't. that now. Yeah. yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. It's
2: hard. It is. Uh, when I have brought that up before, you mentioned that like, uh, that uh, that Esther Perel, the uh, yeah. therapist, talks about. Is that where you, you were going? Or what, what was the elephant you were talking
1: about? <laughs> oh, well, no. Well, what I wanted to say, that Esther Perel absolutely deserves a mention here for this idea of recognizing infidelity, cheating, and affairs as an expression of longing, a longing to like, express oneself or to be seen in some way mm-hmm. and not necessarily of contempt. And I think, like, she really, in many ways, pioneered that, at least in, in my understanding of it, yeah. um, for sure. And I think it's super important. And it's worth saying that that idea of contempt and, like, cheating as, like, an expression of contempt, that's pretty scary. I'm not yeah. going to say that doesn't show up. It's pretty rare in folks that I work uh-huh. with. And I have to say, like, if I sense that that's where they are, I'm like, woof. We're in, we're in right. pretty rough territory where you kind of have to be asking, like, is this the right relationship for folks to be in?
2: Yeah, and if you listen to Esther Perel, I feel like sometimes you hear that, but oftentimes what you hear is just, like, far a lot of often. hurt.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's far more about hurt, yeah, and longing and hurt and fear, yeah. Okay, the elephant, then, in the room over here was, I think, a question that Jessica said she had for us. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think for me the question is emerging, like, I mean, do you guys think that is ethical non-monogamy an answer to cheating? Right, like say I'm in a relationship, there has been an infidelity of like any of this rainbow of infidelities that we've talked about. Rainbow infidelity, <laughs> rainbow of infidelities. P- possible book title. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, is E and M the answer?
1: Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, also, uh, I mean, maybe
0: it's kind of a two parter, which is like, is that what you guys determined was? Yeah. How did you get I from could, A to B? I could
2: I mean, see why we would ask that because that did happen those two things happened in um not rapid succession, but in succession. And and in some ways one did to lead to another. Um I'm and I'm curious what what Sarah's read on this is, but to me it was more like that was a the the infidelity led to openness it forced openness um it forced me to talk about like how you know what was going on with me and just to actually like communicate with you more openly um and uh, you know maybe it didn't force me to I'll, I'll take some credit for actually doing that um but uh it would prompted that and then you know through us going to couples therapy and like openly communicating and um and talking about like our needs and desires and like honestly exploring some of the stuff that's kind of where we Arrived.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. So I think just to answer your question directly and more broadly, is non-monogamy an answer to cheating? I, I have no idea, <laughs> right? Like that maybe for some uh-huh. people and, and certainly not for others, right? Uh, I do think having conversations about desire, expectations, right? M- monogamy and your understanding of it. Whether or not non-monogamy would feel like a good fit for you, I do think every couple would benefit from that. Uh, whether or not where they land is in monogamy, and that's like why I'm always making this distinction between monogamy and like conscripted monogamy. Uh-huh. So like people monogamy, I mean, compulsory monogamy. sorry, like yeah, I guess it's it both that, right yeah. compulsory monogamy. Um, the idea that you like are choosing it. And you're choosing it for yourself mm-hmm. and you're choosing it with your partner together and you're building what that means for you because yeah. obviously we've explored here how monogamy doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. Right. Some people thought that the infidelity that you committed was not
2: actually infidelity, Yeah.
1: actually infidelity, yeah. right? Some people thought it should be a marriage ending thing, uh-huh. right? So mm-hmm. there is no real definition of monogamy yeah. either, y'all. So you need to be having conversations with yourself and your partner about what that means. And I think that is yeah. the answer to cheating.
2: Right. So in it's, many ways. it's not like every couple should be non-monogamous. Cause as we've talked about, there can still be cheating inside of non-monogamy as well. Exactly. You can break the boundaries that you set up and the agreements that you, that you make um, and, you know, harm your relationship in different, different ways still, if it's a non-monogamous relationship, but every monogamous couple needs a non monogamous friend (laughs) to encourage them to force them to have these conversations.
1: I think so. I mean, they just
2: all need to listen to our podcast. And then
1: there we go. That's where I wanted to land. That's the answer to your question. Uh They should all listen to our podcast. Uh, no. And I mean, I think this is like so many things in our culture that are intentionally unexamined. Like, I really want to say this does not happen accidentally that we are just handed these scripts about what love looks like, what sex looks like, what fidelity looks like, but they're like incomplete. They're not very informative, but they're very controlling and Uh they're saturated in shame. Right. Yeah. So they're not actually, I do not experience them as helpful guides. Uh I experienced them as like ways that I feel like I'm being sort of controlled, but I don't even understand how, Yeah. you know? So I mentioned earlier, I was aware of the idea that like cheating was just like, haunted the specter of cheating haunted me everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it always seemed like it could happen and it seemed like it could be anything and everything. Um, and I didn't even know why right. I felt that way.
2: And we literally went for like 10 plus years of our relationship, never having right conversations about what that actually meant or not. And being like pretty close, like we didn't talk about other people that we were attracted to you know, that wasn't like really very normal, at least for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't. Um, Not because like you wouldn't have been able to accept it necessarily, but like, you know, uh, we just were not in open communication about like a lot of that stuff.
1: All of it seemed dangerous. Yeah. It all seemed dangerous to this, like um, this idea of love and relationships having to be like perfect to be real but you're not even really told what does the perfect even mean. It's mm-hmm. just that everything could be a threat to it, right? Mm-hmm. To to perfect. Um, yeah, it's pretty intense. Uh, and so I guess like getting back to that question of like, what is infidelity then? Like we've sort of been all around, all over this. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is, Alex? And, and I guess, like, I'll ask you to maybe define what you think it is. And then, like, you know, for the sake of how we often end these podcasts, what you think
2: the mistake you maybe made was. Yeah. Like. Um, those things are definitely very <laughs> related. Um, I think, I mean, you know, it, it the, the, like, word itself means, um, like, a breaking of trust. Um you know, of not being like dishonoring of not like uh, honoring a connection that you have with somebody or like cheating, you know, um, breaking an, an, an agreement. Um, and so I think that's really what it's about is like uh, break breaking trust. I do want to say that trust gets broken in every relationship. That's right. Um, so just to hold that up is something that's irreparable is also a a false standard, whether it's a monogamous relationship or a non-monogamous relationship, people are going to break each other's trust. And it's like, whether, how you repair from that is really, I think what it's about and like making sure that it's not like a pattern that is, you know, one-sided or something like that. But like, that's, that's what it really is. Right. And you know, the, the actual behaviors, it's not the behaviors, it's the, the, the way that the behaviors like impact the, the agreements that you've already made and the trust that you've already built, and whether it's ruptured or not yeah. um, so in terms of mistakes that I made, I mean that's the the big mistake for me, I think is um, is keeping that stuff from you, not just because I didn't want you to uh, to know about it or because I didn't want to hurt you, but also I think because I wanted to like hold something for myself and not share it with you Hmm.
1: yeah this came up before and that at just like first glance doesn't necessarily sound like a bad thing to want to have some things that are just yours
2: yeah maybe it's the combination of those two things you know um, having something that's just yours and uh, doing that non-consensually with your partner Um, and like you know I can I try to be compassionate with myself around that and just like I didn't really understand how to be any other way um, and had a lot of like fear and shame around you know attraction to other people or I mean, you kind of raised an eyebrow earlier when I said that like, it wasn't okay for me to like acknowledge attractions to other people in our relationship. And maybe that was all on my side.
1: Oh no, I, I, I think I raised it because it sounded true.
2: Yeah. Okay. But I guess it was also on my side at least, you Mm -hmm. know, right. Like um, just like being comfortable enough with, with myself that I could like say, Oh, this is what's going on for me and understand it internally seek the like help and other relationships Uh, other, you know, um, you know, friend or therapeutic relationships or whatever, like make sure that there are the the responsibility for my uh, feelings and my expression of who I am and what's going on with me is diffuse beyond just you and I, so that I can have those conversations with other people, get feedback, understand really better what's going on with me. And then like share that with you in a not harmful way. There's a lot. That was a, big ass pile of mistakes. <laughs> that sense.
1: Well, it's complicated. I mean, I think what I'm hearing back is just the idea that you needed something else in your life. You needed more connection or intimacy or just places that like, yeah. Felt good. Or where you could express yourself or be seen outside of our relationship.
2: Yeah. And the way that I've been thinking about this more recently is also like what, I didn't really have this terminology at the time, but like I developed an attachment to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what, that's the thing that happened. Like nothing happened, but that happened. And that's like a huge thing when you're in a relationship where the understanding is that your only meaningful attachment is between the two of you. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's a big one for me is not that the, the attachment itself was a mistake, but, um, you know, not acknowledging it,
1: not acknowledging it, not taking responsibility for it happening and not communicating or being honest with me, at least to the best of your ability, so that uh, we could find our way through.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about for you? Uh,
1: Well, I think you did a good job of defining infidelity. Uh, For me, it is like, I think the word safety comes up a lot. That for me, my intimate relationships are the places where I feel safe, um, where I feel like someone is going to help me stay safe and care for me and um, look out for me, right? So I think this experience was one where like the infidelity to the hurt was like that trust was broken. It was sort of like that connection was severed. And it felt like that didn't, that didn't matter anymore, or it didn't matter in the context of the infidelity. Mm -hmm. And that was really frightening to me. Um, So I think if I'm like personally reflecting on infidelity, I think it is like, it's a, it's a kind of breaking of safety too, Mm -hmm. of like the people that you're like, these are the people that will help, help me feel safe in this scary world. Mm -hmm. And now they've engaged in something that like threatens that. Um, And I feel really alone and really scared. And like, I don't know where to turn to, to feel safe.
2: That's why trust is important because it's your source of safety or security.
1: Um, And I hear that come up a lot as like the the hard thing to get back between people sometimes when there's a rupture. Yeah. So with that in mind, the mistake I made, hmm, I think there's a couple. I think the broader one was just never... Never really interrogating for myself what what monogamy meant. I was too scared. Mm. I was really scared. And I mean, you're picking up on that. I was scared to acknowledge other attractions. I was scared to think about pornography, the, me looking at it, you looking at it. I was scared to think about like anytime like infidelity or cheating would come up, I just like didn't want to talk about it because it was all really scary to me. Um, and... I like have to have some compassion for myself around this that like, it was scary for a good reason. And all of that was coming for me and I would make a whole career out of it. So, (laughs) um, you know, it was, it was a big deal. Um, and I didn't know it yet. Uh, so, but I think like there was just a way that I also wasn't taking responsibility for myself there. And, um, thinking that just like avoiding these frightening topics were, was what was going to keep me safe Mm -hmm. instead of facing them. And I think like, I was hurt by that. And I think we were because I could see where I didn't feel like a totally safe place to come to with this relationship, that attachment, or some of those feelings because I was pretty freaked out about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so.
2: Yeah. And we were just like holding a, a, a sort of like unrealistic or like idealized version of like what our relationship would be like and assuming that we would be able to do all of those, like be everything for each other and do all of those things and that it would never be hard.
1: Yeah. And I think like, that's part of what non-monogamy has given me. And I think like this has come up in previous episodes is the idea that actually like love is flexible and dynamic and creative not something that, like, you get handed and you have to fit yourself into or it disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that you, like, get to actively make for yourself mm-hmm. and with other people. And that, like, that's what feels safe, right? Mm-hmm. That's what, that actually feels way more safe to me.
2: That you're, like, always building something together.
1: Yeah, and for yourself, yeah. right? Like, what do I need to feel safe? What do I need to feel loved? What do I need to be able to love, right? Yeah. And then the people that I'm in intimate relationship with How do those needs meet each other? Uh You know, what do we make together?
2: We were joking that Mm. earlier that you got a text that like in a previous iteration of our relationship could have been like literally like a marriage ending text. So I wonder if you'd be willing to share (laughs) that um, just because it shows like how different our our relationship and our agreements are. That's
1: right. That's right. So there's a person in my life who I... (laughs) I'm already friends with, and we've been in some conversations about like attraction towards each other. Right. And so this is sort of like a new idea, but it's partly a practice of trying to like be honest about what's there. Um, talk about it with each other and find out what we want to make there, if anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've told you about it as that.
2: I want there to be like a little bell that dings every time you say something that could be like grounds for divorce in a different (laughs) kind. Really an an unexplored monogamous relationship.
1: Right. Okay. All right. Exactly. Um,
2: So what you're saying is there's another man.
1: There's another man. In this case, it is a man. Um, And uh, I've told you about that every step of the way. Like as that has changed, I've told you about it. Right. So this morning I wake up and I, my phone is on the counter. I charge it out here because I'm trying not to look at it before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. Right. And, I walk in, I'm like drinking my coffee and there's just a text on the screen from him that's like, just thinking about you beautiful, <laughs> which was a very sweet text and it made me smile. But I thought I had this moment where I was like, what if Alex sees this? And I'm like, it'll be an extension of things that we've already talked about. He may or may not like seeing it, which is a different conversation. And I do think that there are some interesting uh, episodes to do about electronic boundaries. <laughs> uh-huh. Um But it was just so interesting to me where I was like, that's not totally different than what I saw on your phone two and a half years ago, Mm -hmm. right? That was this total catastrophe for me and for us. And here, two and a half years later, the situation is reversed. It's roughly the same type of text, right? Yeah. And it has totally different meaning. Yeah.
2: pretty interesting. I love that for you. Oh, my God. If I had seen that. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know,
0: like
2: that. Uh, I feel like if I had happened upon that text, I would have been like, my thought process would have been, did I send that to Sarah? And then my next <laughs> no, thought would definitely be like, not. no, I didn't. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I should have.
1: <laughs> no, weirdly, the text that you sent me today was, this service is no longer available. I did <laughs> But <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know if you got that... hacked or what the hell happened, but...
2: I uh, I don't know. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> in, in, in the immortal words of Shaggy, it wasn't it me. It wasn't me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, well, uh, thank you for talking about all of this with me. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, again. I'm <laughs> Not well the first and time, this one but,
1: this one was an intense one. I yeah. really appreciate you being willing to uh, dive into it with me Because I know it's not easy and like, like with will and Jada, mm-hmm. like this stuff will always kind of bring up some hurt, yeah, you know, it's never not gonna a little bit yeah. so it's brave to go there.
2: will and Jada really like have the celebrity version of mistakes were made, yeah, it's not the other way around uh, no they co- <laughs> they're copying us. they copied us in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. A year before we started our podcast.
1: I mean, and one of the ways, like, a thing I wanted to come back to at the end here was the way they said, you know, uh, "bad marriage for life." Uh-huh. I, you said you didn't like that. I kind of loved it because I think by most people's standards, our marriage is a nightmare. <laughs> like by the by the standards of conscripted monogamy, yeah, right? Yeah. It okay. is like a bad marriage. Yeah. You know, it's not the fifty year like silver anniversary where everybody like was perfect with each other. And like the hard times they went through were completely sanitized and they never looked at another person and they were always in love and no one ever questioned it. Right.
2: Yeah. No, good for them for, yeah. I felt like they were judging themselves a little bit, but good for them for, yeah. you know, uh, owning that, that, the vulnerability and that things are hard.
1: So whatever kind of marriage this is good, bad, yeah. otherwise uh-huh. and probably all of the above. Yeah. I'm glad to be in it with you.
2: Yeah, And I don't actually care if other people think it's good or bad. Yeah. They can get fucked. Feel
1: free to weigh in, audience. Yeah. No, please don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's no way we can handle that. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, well, uh, yeah. You know, we want to um, hear your comments or whatever. I don't know. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening to yeah. Mistakes Were Made. You can find us on Instagram and uh, Gmail at MistakesCast. Um, and if you appreciate... <laughs> our conversations as much as we appreciate them in each other. Um, Then help us spread the word about the podcast. Um, The more you follow us on the platforms where you're listening to podcasts, the more people will see it. Uh, Tell your friends, and um, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode.
4: Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye.
2: Bye.